hello, and welcome to our next episode of The Benefits Breakdown. I'm Vanessa Longnecker here with my team. Hey, everybody. It's Shared Voca with you. Hi, everyone. Adam Compton. Excited to be with you today. We have a very special guest and our very own fearless leader, Mr. Powell Brown, with us today. Excited to have you on board to speak to our listeners today. We uh, certainly have a lot to talk about as we kick off 2022. And to start, we'd simply love to let you say a quick hello to our customers, teammates, and partners listening in. Might you kick us off by giving us a little intro, expanding on your history with Brown and & Brown and sharing something personal or professional that you're looking forward to in 2022? Thank you, Vanessa. Uh, it's nice to be here. Uh, I've been with Brown & Brown for 26 years, uh, and my background was property and casualty originally, and then I've learned a little bit about employee benefits and wholesale and programs and services all along the way. I would tell you from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint. I think 2022 uh, is shaping up to be a great year. I am, on a personal note, a, a seven uh, cyclist, and I usually pick one or two big rides each year, which I'm zeroing in on for next year that I train for. Uh, the ones I did this last year were in North Carolina and in Steamboat, Colorado, and I'll probably do the North Carolina ride again. It's between a gravel and a road ride, 100, and 100 to 140 miles. And then I don't know the other one. So that's what I'm looking forward to and uh, continuing to serve our customers and get better at what we do every day. Paul, as, as the CEO to 11,000 plus teammates around the world, we have customers of all shapes, sizes, industries. I know you see a lot going on. So over the past two years, you know, organizations had to uh, adapt and kind of forced to have unparalleled change to face a lot of just economic influences that that accelerated or altered their growth. So, you know, from your perspective, the the challenges, the themes, uh, or opportunities that you're seeing or hearing um, or front of mind for you personally, what are you looking to embrace as an organization this year ahead? Well, I think the the biggest challenge, uh, Adam, for most companies has been communication and the ability, therefore, to deliver. Uh, their product or service over that period of time. But it's all having a, particularly if you've got 11,000 plus teammates, how do you operate from the same, you know, we're operating from the same place and it's hard to do when you're all over the country and you may not be in the office. And so I think it's all about communication. I continue to think it's all about communication. And as you've heard me say before, we are an organization that we have teammates. We don't have employees. Uh, we have leaders. We don't have managers. And we also, 23% of our company is owned by teammates. So there's an ownership culture and it's our intent to do what's in the best interest of our customers each and every time. And if we do that, we will work through the, the pandemic and into the future and we'll continue to grow and prosper as an organization and help our customer base grow and prosper as well. Pal, one of the things that's being very relevantly talked about in the HR world today is the great resignation and how people are leaving companies left and right and, and just finding what is best for them personally. And, and it's not always the money driver. There's a lot of mm -hmm. things that go into that. As a leader, what are you doing to prevent that from happening in your organization? What other leaders may focus on and other HR uh, professionals may focus on as well? Well, I think people work with and for people. They don't work for companies, whether it's a small company, medium company, or a very large company. 
And so I think it comes back to the comment I said earlier about communication and we work hard, but we like to play hard too. And how do you have that connectivity? And the most successful teams, uh, whether it be at Brown and Brown or anywhere, athletic teams or whatever the case may be, there's a lot of trust, respect, and, and caring about the group and or what they're working towards. And so there are lots of people who are considering changes in either careers or places of employment or all of the above. But what I would say is this, what we've tried to do, uh, I've tried to communicate as clearly as possible through videos every other week to our teammates. And we did weekly videos, as you know, through uh, the first part of the pandemic. And these videos talk more about you know, how people are doing health and your family and how our business is doing, not so much from a numeric standpoint, but how we're helping customers and helping teammates. I think that's really important. And people are social animals. And if you've not been able to come to the office for a year or more, um, there is a, you, you feel a little detached. And in the offices that I have gone to events or receptions or gatherings where they've been apart for a long period of time, there's always been a feeling of a great sense of pride, I think is how I would say it, and seeing other teammates and seeing that they're doing well. And it's it's different than when you see them on a video screen. And so we talk a lot about how do you, you know, reconnect uh, to our business or to your business or whatever the case may be. Um, and that that's a really, it's it's different for different people. But I think the important thing is to show how you can have a balance. And we talk a lot about the importance of your health and your family. And then how does that all work into work? And so it's definitely not an easy one, Jared. It's It's an ongoing discussion. There's no one perfect answer. So I think in diving back into the benefits breakdown, right? We've got a great group of, of HR professionals or financial executives or leaders of organization that that tune in. And I think part of what we'd like to focus on is this idea of total rewards or how do we use benefits in this space to understand what we do with them. And I think a lot of times we are uh, dealing with a renewal or something more tactical. Uh, from a CEO perspective, how do you kind of vision or envision benefits and total rewards fitting into the overall strategy of an organization, uh, kind of both now, maybe post past few years, as well as we look into uh, as we launch 2022. Sure. So we think about, as I said earlier, with people, your health and your family are the most important things, period. That's one and one A. And the definition of health is physical, mental, spiritual, and financial in our minds. And so on the physical side, I made a comment earlier that I like to ride my bike, but what you might do, Adam, is play tennis or swim or run or ski or whatever the case may be, but we encourage people to get physical uh, exercise, come back to mental health in a moment. Spiritual, far be it from us to tell anybody what to believe, and we wouldn't do that, but what we do do is we, we talk about the fact that there are studies out there that show that people with purpose feel more content. And through contentment, you may have happiness, you have, you know, satisfaction, you have all these other things. Financial wellness, 
uh, obviously, is how do we enable people to build wealth over a long period of time? So how is that done through a 401k or an employee stock purchase plan or have an idea and a plan earlier in your career to start saving for the future? Now, let's go back to mental health. This has been amplified, the issues around mental health through the pandemic. And so we talk a lot about the importance of uh, your mental health, because if you're not good yourself, then how can you take care of or your, your family, your friends, your loved ones, uh, or your customers, or trading partners, or whatever the case may be? And so there's lots of different ways that you can do that. We are trying to talk about it more openly at Brown & Brown. So if someone is struggling, then we want to make sure that they're able to get the help that can get them back to where they feel good. So we look at it as kind of a holistic thing and every employer thinks about it, you know, maybe a little differently or how they can spend their money to enable their teammates or employees or whatever they call the, the per people that work on their team um, in places where they can feel good and get the most from that offering. So health, uh, physical, mental, spiritual, financial, that's how I think about it. How I want to dive just a little bit deeper into you. We talk about work-life balance. I think that's something that many Americans struggle with. We have a very fast-paced lifestyle. And with that fast-paced lifestyle at work, there's great demands um, corporate America can put on employees. How as a leader do you have work-life balance and then have that be a top-down? Because I, I really do see that with Brown & Brown. I think it's a great thing that we have here um, in our culture. And how do you do that? And how do, can other employers create that similar type of atmosphere to have a good work-life balance? Because I think that's one of the biggest struggles Americans are dealing with post-pandemic. So um, let me give you an example of when it really became clear to me. About 12 years ago, plus or minus, I was on a family vacation in a ski town. And in the morning at breakfast, my wife uh, was cooking pancakes and we were all going to have breakfast. And I said I needed to take a phone call. And she said, well, why don't you just go in the back because you're not really here because you're so in, involved in the phone call. And I was thinking to myself, oh, that's like a shot to the chest. And so right there, I made a, a personal commitment to try to change. And so I try to separate work and family life to the best that I can. So you'd say, well, how do you do that? Number one, I have a work phone and I have a personal phone. So I have a work phone that I carry with me all the time, obviously, uh, during the week. But on the weekends, I might check it once a day um, unless I've got something going on. Number two, I schedule exercise. And in that, between 12 years ago and today, I got into cycling. So as I told you, cycling is my thing. My goal is to ride four days a week. So how do you do that? Well, I might ride tonight in my garage on a trainer. If I ride with a group during the week, which is very, it's not that often, I'd ride Thursday morning at six o'clock in the morning um, and I'm back before I can be in the car and on the telephone before work. On Saturday and Sunday, I ride with a group of friends. So that's my personal uh, time. I also, I like to read. And so I got to compartmentalize things where 
Sundays are hard because I start ramping up thinking about the whole work week, like probably everybody on this podcast. And so I try and I try not to work, meaning hardcore work after about six or seven o'clock on a Sunday. So I want to spend time with the family. I want to read the paper. I want to watch a television show with the kids or whatever the case may be. So I also don't use technology late in the evening. So you hear all these stories about don't bring your phone into your bedroom. Well, I would agree with that. So the first thing I do is not wake up and look at texts or emails. I do use my private phone as an alarm clock, but I'm not looking at it in there. So easily I take an hour or more before I go to bed and stop doing email and stop doing, I try to read or talk to my wife or my kids or whatever the or watch a little TV. So it's a combination of one, I think I have to model the behavior uh, as one of the leaders in our company. Number two, I think it's important for me to talk about it to all of our teammates. And just because I do it doesn't mean it's the right way. It's just the best way I've come up with. Number three, I don't want to give you the impression that I have figured it out because I haven't. It's a question of, it's not, is it perfectly balanced? It's how out of balance you are, in my opinion. And I feel like I'm pretty balanced. And so I do that both through physical activity, through interaction with friends, uh, through reading and time with my family. I will leave you with one other thought on that area. During the pandemic, when we were not coming into the office, uh, I have a close friend who is not in the insurance business. He's in the wealth management business. And we would go once a week and get a cup of coffee and sit out on a park bench and talk for one hour. And then I'd go back to the house and work and he'd go back to his house and he'd work. And so there was a regular, there was a regular schedule there that I got to look forward to. So it's just like planning vacations. I think it's important for people to go on vacations. And when you go on vacation, you leave the work phone at home. Now, I have people that I work with that look at me like I'm crazy in the head. And I say, well, uh, I'm trying to do uh, what I need. And if the building is burning, Mary, my assistant, can call me. I've never been called. The only person to ever call me is my father. He can call me anytime he wants. Having said that, I've said to many people inside and outside of our organization, if you can't take a vacation without uh, taking your phone, I think that you've got something structured in, uh, incorrectly because it's important for you to go off and recharge. And when you come back, you're going to be that much better. Now, you might chuckle. Uh, somebody might uh, chuckle that's listening in on this at that. But I'd really challenge every one of you to think about taking uh, a one-week vacation without your work phone. And I'll tell you one thing, you'll feel a lot better when you come back. Pal, I was chuckling because clearly I need to make this more of a conscious effort to <laughs> have that balance. And I think, I think if I'm summarizing what you're saying is that it's a very, very conscious effort. It's a very, very right. thing that you think about on a regular basis. It doesn't just happen overnight. If an organization wants to yeah. have or a person wants to have a work-life balance, it's something that you have to evaluate what's going on and then put a plan in place to make it happen, just like anything else in life. And I think that part of it is a curiosity along the way of how can you do certain things that will help you relax. So, for example, 
um, I like yoga. And in the perfect world, I go to yoga once a week. And it's not the type of yoga. It's always the instructor that's the most important. But flexibility is important as we all get older. Okay. So if you go to yoga once a week for four weeks, you'll have marked difference in your flexibility. If you go once a week for the, a year, it's amazing how different your flexibility is. I will tell you, uh, I, one of the books that I read this year that I thought was really interesting is a book called Breathe. And part of yoga is breathing, but it talks about the benefits of breathing through your nose, not your mouth, and the importance of CO2, carbon dioxide, in the body, not just oxygen, and how it brings your heart rate down and all these other things. And so I'm always looking at things to try to improve. I'm curious about improve myself. How can I be a better leader, a better friend, a better father? Uh, you know, a better insurance professional, uh, whatever that is. And then how can I share that to whether it's you, Jared, or any other teammate at Brown and Brown, or to the extent that a customer or a prospect wants to ask me about it, I want to tell them about it. So I think it's a constant and consistent improvement process. It's very conscious. It's very, um, you got to set your mind to it and you got to schedule it. As Brown and Brown teammates, we feel that, right? We're fortunate to feel that top-down leadership. And a lot of what you're sharing with our listeners today on a day-to-day -day basis, right? You talked about the fact that you have weekly or monthly updates, video updates to our teammates around the globe, right? Not all organizations or leaders possess those same trades or articulate in the same words. But I will reinforce that we do, in fact, share that right? As consultants in the space and working with others in our communities, I've seen firsthand other teammates. That's resonating, right? And I think a lot of what we're also talking about here today is how do we help our listeners? How do we help other organizations improve, right? Consciously improve as you've just suggested. And these are fabulous tips. One that's really intriguing about Brown and Brown, right, and another market trend, just to shift gears a little bit, is the continued rise in M&A activity, right? So we know Brown and Brown has had great success, and we know there's definite lift and many, many wins and opportunities to that regard. We also know there's equally challenges that exist, right, when we're joining companies and their cultures together. A lot of what you've just talked about and described, we feel culturally each and every day, what tips would you share with others listening in that are also engaged in similar growth patterns or, right, impacted by that in their worlds, learning lessons or otherwise from your experience, Paul? Uh, well, thank you, Vanessa. Um, I would say that cultural fit is the most important thing, period. Uh, you know, it, there's a part of the discussion about can the finances work, but if there's no cultural fit, I would say back away uh, from a proposed transaction. And so in our organization, we spend a lot of time with uh, owners of businesses that are considering doing something, whether it be with Brown and Brown or anybody else, and to see if there's a cultural fit. Um, we are a public company, but we don't operate like a typical public company because we don't really operate quarter to quarter. And we are thinking about growth over a long period of time and how do we continue to deliver for our customers and in doing so 
we will be able to to create value for our stakeholders, which includes our shareholders. When you do M&A a lot, um, you're going to see all kinds of things. I think your gut uh, is very valuable. If your gut says don't do it, then I wouldn't, I don't go against my gut. And we don't go against our guts, number one. Number two, uh, I like to see people outside of the office where you could go to a sporting event or go and have a drink or sit in somebody's backyard and have a lemonade or an iced tea and just talk about everything but work. Number two, I think you've got to talk. We talk a lot about what does it really look like on day one? And I think sometimes uh, people that are starting in the acquisitions to grow their business through acquisitions may not talk about that as much. They're selling the sellers as opposed to presenting to the sellers how they think about it and see if the sellers are attracted to that. And so, you know, we want people that are selling to be happy not only the day that they join the team, but we want them to stay with the team a long time. And they that probability is much higher if there's a good cultural fit and there's no so-called surprises. So we always believe that you can make the numbers work or not make the numbers work. That's a that's a different discussion. But the culture either fits or it doesn't. And you should be really, you got to really be hardcore on that in the sense that there are lots of organizations out there that are successful financially that might not fit with you culturally. I would tell you, you should pass on those. And that's how we do it. I always, I always tell people the brown and brown haze because we're all here today because of an acquisition. Um, when you acquired Hayes a few years ago, that it, that it was a marriage and that our marriage has been extremely successful in joining Brown and Brown. And what I described is you kind of, you have to evaluate things that seriously and make sure that all aspects, you got to get to know the in-laws, you got to get it to know that the siblings and everything and make sure it's going to fit and <laughs> going to work out and get to, you know, and I, I think that what you described is a similar thing because our marriage with Hayes and Brown and Brown has been phenomenal. We couldn't be happier. And I think that you did the due diligence to make sure that was going to happen. So Jared, that is the way we think about it. But I will tell you, Ultimately, particularly if the acquisitions are larger, you are putting more and more faith in the leadership teams to be able to deliver uh, and represent to you what the culture is internally. And so we knew as it relates to all of our friends that were, you know, formerly Hayes uh, teammates, we actually knew that the organization was a great organization. But when you go and you meet all these people, you realize how many more good people there are than we even knew about. And so that's, that's, I believe it goes back to what I said earlier, good people work with and for people. They don't work for companies. So if you, if you understand the seller and the seller understands the buyer and you can get their head and their heart, they can help deliver their team. That's very important. So, Paul, we're, we're building on that in 2022 here where we as an organization are going through an exciting shift where all of our brands are coming together under that unified Brown and Brown family. So, um, you know, a lot of work naturally has gone into that into that brand unification. So in, in your eyes, uh, how does that tie to our ability to 
kind of serve our customers and, and, and maintain that growth as we look into the future. So really, when you get down to it, the idea of being under Brown and Brown was simple in the sense that we had multiple brands that were in and of themselves very successful. And, um, but competition, some competitors were trying to use that against us. Whereas it might be such and such a division of Brown and Brown, such and such a division of Brown and Brown or a department of, or a part of the Brown and Brown family or whatever the, however it was worded. But, but ultimately at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is deliver the best capabilities to our customers. And so whether that capability comes out of an office in Minneapolis or in Denver, Colorado, or Orlando, Florida, or Seattle, Washington, or Syracuse, New York, we want there to be no confusion with the prospect uh, or our customer that we're all part of the same team. And so we're almost 12,000 teammates, and I think of us as all one team. We're all trying to deliver the best solutions for our customers. And so I think that helps perpetuate our ability to do that going forward. And we understand that people have worked very hard to build a culture and a reputation. And yet we want to make sure that your each new firm that joins us is able to leverage the full scope of capabilities for their customers. Uh, across the Brown and Brown platform. So that's kind of how we thought about it. Pal, you left off one city when you listed all those. You forgot, you forgot about Dallas. <laughs> Sorry, I'll make sure and say Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No, I do think the future is phenomenally bright. Obviously, we're excited about kickstarting 2022 as one team and one brand. Uh, certainly, appreciate and value your time today. We know you're a busy guy and this is wonderful, wonderful um, commentary to share with our listeners. If we look to wrap things up here with something fun, I know you shared a great book called Breathe, but we also recognize you are a big reader and our teammates, as well as our listeners, I'm certain would value just a few of your top picks as we uh, segue today's conversation. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you all for having me. And um, I've enjoyed visiting with uh, all of you. Uh, on the book side, I try to think back over the last several years, and I'll, I'll name several of the ones that are highlights uh, for me. Um, one would be Factfulness. Uh, Factfulness is a book, interestingly enough, that Bill Gates said, if, if everybody in the world could only read two books, this would be one of the two books. And it's very interesting about how people see things around the world. Um, I don't read a lot of uh, fiction, but I read Ayn Rand this year. And um, from a standpoint of, uh, it's not Fountainhead, it's um, Atlas Shrugged, which was a very long book, but very interesting. Um, I read two interesting books on China this year, which I don't know that much about uh, the history of, but one is called The Hundred Year Marathon, and the other one is called China's Version of Victory. And then uh, I actually just finished a book which is sort of scary, but 
fascinating all in one. And it's called This Is How They Tell Me the World Ends, which is about cyber threats in the world. And it's, again, it's nonfiction, uh, but it's fascinating, but kind of scary as well. That would be kind of the group. I'm a guy that every Sunday morning, I look at the New York Times bestseller nonfiction list. And I'm always looking at lists of books that people would publish or whenever I meet a, a customer or a friend or a prospect, particularly those that know me that I like to read, I always ask if they're reading something interesting and I try to share good books and turn, sometimes they share really good books with me. So that's that would be my kind of synopsis on the literary front. I read a classic to my daughter last night, Good Night Moon, probably yes. at the same level as everyone that you just listed, but uh, she had a smile on her face. So we'll add that to the list. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's <laughs> Those good. are some of the best books ever, Adam, when you get those moments, right? Those yeah. are the best. See, it's not, a, it's not all serious here at the Benefits Breakdown. We get to have some fun too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It was certainly fun to have you here today. Obviously, a lot of of great words of wisdom there. Certainly value those. I think the general theme team is be conscious, right? Be kind and be well. Cheers to 2022. And thank you all for listening in. We look forward to hosting you at our next Benefits Breakdown. Thank you for listening to the Benefits Breakdown. This episode in combination with our previous episode titled The Landscape of Employee Benefits in 2022 is eligible for one SHRM credit. The code for SHRM credit is 22364D3. That's 22-364D as in Delta 3. Remember, this code expires after December 31st of 2022. So thanks again for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and be sure to tune in to our next episode. 